Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us on episode 13th of A Well-Placed Cuss. Unfortunately, this week we were, we were all much too busy with midterms to meet up in person, but we were able to get two key basketball players in the community on the podcast. One in Alex Dewar, current guard for the U of S Huskies, and local legend in Michael Linklater. Please enjoy these two. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to A Well-Placed Cuss. Thank you so much for joining us. Today we have a very special guest. We have Alexander Dewar, and he is a guard current guard for the University of Saskatchewan Huskies and a former guard for the Saskatchewan Rattlers. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. Yourself? Awesome. No, yeah, not uh, not too bad. It's snowing outside, kind of got a blizzard going on, but uh, other than that, not too bad. Good to hear. So uh, we'll, we'll go off right off the bat here with the first question we got for you. And, uh, you know, you, you've played in two different settings. You've played at the collegiate level and you've played at the professional level. And uh, I want to just know what's the biggest difference between playing for the Rattlers, Rattlers professionally and playing university ball? Uh, I would say the, probably the biggest difference, well, I guess just from a basketball standpoint, would be probably the athleticism and the pace. A lot of those guys at the professional level are bigger, faster, stronger, and they all come from a lot of different backgrounds of basketball as well. Some from the States, some learn to play in Europe. So just kind of the background, the athleticism, and then learning kind of how to bring all those backgrounds of basketball together to make everyone flow as one unit is, would be kind of the most difference, I would say. Yeah, all right. Alex, we know you are a big, uh, of course, you're a big basketball guy. But, um, you know, just before we get into any more of the questions, we just want to know, were there any other sports you followed growing up? And um, specifically football, you catch any of the games last night? Yeah, I did catch the games last night, actually. Got a few friends that are big Chiefs and Bengals fans, so I had to watch it with them. They are kind of going at each other. But, yeah, I, uh, growing up, I kind of got put in a lot of different sports. I From everything, from, like, tennis lessons, golf lessons, even gymnastics. I played a lot of soccer growing up. I really enjoyed that. And then kind of when I got to probably about – grade eight I uh I always loved football I always played flag football and then I kind of started getting into tackle football as well and then started playing more tackle football through uh grade eight grade nine grade 10 grade 11 and going through that and my older brother played as well so we were really like I really enjoyed football as well and played that growing up and then kind of grade 12 I started to focus more on basketball and just took it a lot more seriously uh Try, hoping to get uh, to play at a collegiate level so and didn't really want to get hurt playing football in grade 12 so decided to maybe take that year off focus on basketball try to stay healthy and then hopefully be able to get an opportunity to play at the collegiate level that's a smart man right there uh, we'll get right back into the huskies but i was just going to ask you um uh just uh growing up watching basketball obviously we know that everybody has their own unique skill set but were there guys that you try to model your, your game after, you know, whether it be guys you love watching or dudes that you, you took specific aspects and you know, try to incorporate into your own game? Uh, one guy I really like watching now, I'd say, would be Luca, the European style of play. I think it's really nice. He's a really fundamentally sound player. He's not like the quickest or the most athletic, I would say, out there in the NBA. But since he just has such a high IQ and high IQ of the game, he knows how to play it and such great footwork and such great understanding of how everything's played, everything that's going on around him and his fundamentals. It's really cool to see how that translates 
uh, from the European League to the NBA and how it's making him so successful. No. Yeah, we love Luca around here, that's for sure. Uh, so you, you, you had mentioned your brother previously, and we, we were just uh, wondering, how much did you relish the opportunity to be able to play with your brother, both in high school and at the university? Uh, it was a privilege for sure to be able to come in in grade nine and then him being in grade 11, being able to play with him all through, uh, I guess not all through high school, but two years in high school is awesome. He broke his femur bone though in grade 12. So he had to sit out his grade 12 year. I think he came back though for the end of the year, but it was still great to just like play with them, have them on the court together. And we grew up playing together so much in the backyard and just kind of playing street ball, shooting around in different gyms. So to be able to actually be on the same court and play competitively was awesome. And then at the university level, kind of teaching me the ways of the team pretty much of like, this is how university sport like works. This is what you do. This like, you got to be more organized and all this. And for him to teach me that and be in the same household made it so much easier to try to kind of grasp the organization and the speed of the game and all of that, having him around. That's awesome. That must have been really special for you. And I, I think, you know, you're obviously I can tell you're very grateful, but you think about it, a lot of guys, they don't, they don't have that opportunity. You had someone that showed you the ropes, took, like, took you through not only, you know, what to expect, but how to conduct yourself professionally. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, learning from like how, how quarterbacks who are drafted learn from like their current guy. Yeah. Um, so you, you kind of had that experience, like, you know, and, and that must've made it, you know, really easier for you. Yeah. Well, it made the world of a difference having someone who's already, kind of been who's been in their first year already and who's gone through the same path that I have to be able to teach me and show and like be able to learn from him not even from uh, him telling me what to do but just watching how he conducts himself and how he goes through his days I was able to learn from that and it definitely gave me a huge advantage that I'm very grateful for and appreciative of all that uh, he's done with it or all that he's taught me that's awesome man that's really cool uh, focusing in on the Huskies, uh, can you take us through the season so far and just share with us just how the team's been forming, how you've been performing, and just what needs to happen for you guys to be competing for a national championship by the end of the year? Yeah, so uh, I think our first two games were in Brandon, uh, and we ended up getting to a good start. We were 2-0 and that weekend, and then we came back to back home and we played Regina for the next four games, which didn't go as well as we hoped. I know we, uh, we lost two at home to Regina, which uh, definitely left a little bit of a bitter feel in our mouths. And then we had a two week break after that, which was kind of odd, but they give us a COVID break, which is just a week break to limit our contact with other teams. And then we also had a bye week right after. So we had a two week break uh, to kind of rejuvenate, prepare for next weekend. And then when we got right back the next week, we played Regina again, but this time in Regina. And we split the games, so still not what we were hoping for. Uh, they ended up kind of having a better overall record against us. But we have a very talented team, and we have a lot of players that have come that we haven't really played together too much. I know we got a, we got a new guy from uh, Montreal, this past off season, new guy from Michigan. And uh, I think we have a few other new guys around 
who are veteran players and are very knowledgeable. So I think it kind of took a little bit for us to be able to make everything work and play together as one unit. So after those Regina games, we uh, headed to, I think we came back home and we played Manitoba, who was first place at that time, and we were able to sweep them. We started playing a bit more together, I think, on offense and defense, and we were able to get two important wins. And then, then we had that Christmas break, which had a while. And then we had, with COVID spiking and everything, we had quite a bit of time off. And then we played Winnipeg just this past weekend. And uh, I think a team that maybe skillfully were better than, uh, we should have been able to get the sweep, but we split those two games, which again, we weren't hoping for. But I think going forward, we just all have to be on the same page and play together as a team. So we're all very good players on that team. We have, I think we have the skill. We have the talent and everything. We just need to be able to execute the game plan that the coach gives us. And I think we're right now heading in the right direction of that to be able to compete for a national, hopefully get to nationals and compete for a championship. Definitely. Um, so you've you've played some 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 tough teams, whether it's uh, at the collegiate level or it's in the CEBL. Do you have any uh, memories or moments or key players that made you uh, re really work or made you work on defense or just any any players who really stood out to you, like how good their game was, how refined it was? Yeah, uh, I know uh, my first game, I would say in the CBL, we were playing Fraser Valley. And one of the, I think, tougher guys to stay in front of was definitely – Merrick Klassen. Uh, he's a European player. He grew up in Abbotsford, but he has like a, he's very fundamentally sound and he was their point guard. So he was one of those players that could shoot the lights out of the ball. So if you gave him any sort of space, he would rise up, shoot the ball, and he was shooting the ball at a good clip as well. Or he was also unbelievably quick. So if I got too close to him, he would go right by me. So kind of being able to find that in between of, being able to contest the shot but not getting too close where he could go right by me. So he was a player that challenged me as well. And then another guy in practice was always uh, Devontae Bandu, one of the teammates. He came from Baylor. He was a really talented player who was also a guard that was so quick and he was crafty. His change of pace of being able to slow down and speed up was really good. And I think he's playing somewhere in the G League right now. Last time I talked to him. So those two players really challenged me definitely in the CBL. And then when coming onto the Huskies as a rookie, Lawrence Moore or Bam, we call him, he was very, very crafty and very quick. And he was kind of that player that was always challenging me on defense because he was so tough to stay in front of. He was so crafty. He was so quick. And even trying to get by him, he could just kind of poke the ball out and steal the ball at will. So he was. Definitely a very talented player and player that was cool to learn from. Very cool. Uh, obviously, before our recording, we mentioned that you were just named uh, Player of the Week, so congratulations to you. Um, Thank you. Just want to just wanna get your opinion. Where have you seen the most growth in your game, uh, whether it be on the defensive end? You know, uh, has the game slowed down for you as far as, like, you know, ability to get to the basket? Um, you know, where mm -hmm. have you seen the biggest growth in your game? Um. 
I would say definitely for my first year, the game has been able to slow down a little bit, mostly just from mental standpoint. Before it's kind of go, 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 like 100% going like downhill, trying to just get to the hoop. But now I'm kind of able to like make better reads where if I know a defender's in the paint, then someone's going to be open on the perimeter if, or something like that. So that definitely helped. And then shooting as well. I felt like shooting coming out of high school, I could shoot it, but like not as well off the dribble or anything like that. And then working on in the past few years, I think I've been taking more and more threes and getting more comfortable being able to shoot the three pointer as well. That's awesome. And I think obviously, you know, me and the Hex, we're not a big, huge athletes like you, but the one thing that, you know, we notice when, you know, players are finally getting into the groove, the one thing that they say a lot is, you know, the game has been, you know, slowing down for them. They're, you know, they're not, you know, they're not rushing things. They're getting to their shots. So, um, you know, did you find at the beginning, you know, you were pressing a lot, um, you know, trying to look for more impact plays, uh, whereas now the game has slowed down for you a little bit more? Yeah, especially when the other guards would kind of push up into me and try to rush my game a little bit, I would kind of start to panic dribbling the ball, hoping not to turn it over. But now when a guard pushes up into me and tries to pressure me a little more, more I'm more calm with it. I know what to do. I'm not as panicked. Or even when I end up do getting a little bit of space to go to the hoop and someone cuts me off instead of just kind of going right into them and taking a charge or turning the ball over, I'm able to kind of go off two feet, turn around, find the open teammate, and just be able to make better reads, just knowing where people are. And if the defense is here, then someone must be open over there. And just kind of having the game slow down for me over the years has definitely helped me become a better decision maker. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Just, I just want to build off that, uh, Alex. Uh, do you think that your time in the in the CEBL playing against those professional guys, some of them who have played in the G League overseas, like you said, do you think that the what you learned in the CEBL really translates to how you play at, at the u- university level right now? Yeah, having that experience, uh, which was an awesome experience and such an awesome opportunity that I really appreciate and grateful for having it really taught me a lot because like I said before it's a lot faster of a game you have to make those decisions just that much faster or else you're going to turn the ball over or you're going to be one step late and have a breakdown on defense so to be able to play at that level and learn that you have to be that much faster definitely helped translate to the U sports because being able to help you almost one step ahead instead of one step behind in certain situations can give me an advantage to making that right read and making a good pass or make getting to the hoop or being able to cut off an offensive player, it can make kind of a world of a difference. So it's really nice to have the game kind of slow down so I'm able to make the right decisions and able to find the open teammate. Right, right. I'm, I'm curious to know, did you ever have like a welcome to um, like a college basketball moment? Because, you know, we asked Zach this, and obviously he plays linebacker for the Huskies, so it's a little different for him. But the one thing that he says and he emphasized the most is, you know, when you were in high school, all of you guys were the guy on your own team. Like, you were, like, the man on your high school team. When you come to mm-hmm. when you come to like, university, he realized really quick is, you know, he's going up against grown-ass men. 
have you ever, did you ever have like one of those you know you know like this is the real deal moments yeah i can't mine happened uh i would say pretty early like pretty early on uh when i was in grade i think it was in grade 11 like when i was in grade 10 11 like in those summers since my brother was already on the huskies they would have kind of these summer runs and during those summer runs they just scrimmage play five on five and i had like the great opportunity to go out and sometimes scrimmage with them when i was in high school but when i was i think it was when i was in grade 11 uh, i had like a kind of the light bulb flash above my head being like wow like this is how it is these guys are just so much more bigger and athletic and stronger uh in grade 11 and going into grade 12 that summer i was out scrimmaging with them and i remember uh, I was just kind of sitting under the basket in help side, trying to just be in a position where I'm supposed to be. And all I remember is some one of the guards throwing up the ball just by the rim. Uh, mm-hmm. And I couldn't see like anyone to my side or anything. So just kind of throwing it above the rim. And I just thought during that time, like, oh, what is he doing? Like, what the heck? I'll try to go get it. And then this big kind of like a bigger guy on the team named Shane, who's now playing overseas, kind of just rose up and caught the alley-oop and dunked it right on me oh my goodness and then I realized like oh like that doesn't happen too much especially in Saskatoon high school basketball someone just raising up and doing that so I thought like oh like that's it would be like an easy steal or something and then all of a sudden this got dunked right on fell down and everything and this that was kind of the realization to me I don't want you to relive it. I'm not trying to make you relive it. No, no. But, it's a funny story. There's been many. But we like obviously we're on Bleacher Report. You see the score. You see these poster dunks. Yeah. What, what's it like being on the other end of that? I, I like. I, I'm sorry to make you relive it, but you no, just I've had many times where like my, even my ankles getting broken or something, or me like doing a full circle, having to turn around or. And it getting posted on social media or something. Just one of those things where just like, uh, like it happens, happens to a lot of people. And you just kind of keep scrolling when you see yourself, like getting your ankles broken or you getting dunked on or something like that. I remember CBL a few times posted like one of their guys dunking and I was not really getting posted, but I was definitely in the screen of it. So I'll just like uh shoot, just kind of gotta keep scrolling, brush it off and just stay off your phone that night. Yeah, not think too much about it and just think uh like just shrug it off, brush it off pretty much. Yeah, I mean I I guess that's all you can do, but it it is important to learn from that because no, no one ever wants to be on the receiving end of getting their ankles broken or getting posterized or anything. So you no. and and learn from it a little bit <laughs> yeah you definitely take it as a learning moment or you almost watch it like you're watching film on yourself like oh I should have either been like more in help side to cut that off earlier so that didn't even happen or I should have been in a better position so you almost watch it like you watch film of yourself or of your team and then you take that to learn get better and then it's in the past and it's over with. So you don't really worry or stress too much about it then once you take the thing you can learn from it away right. from it. The, the best athletes have the shortest memory. Exactly. <laughs> um, so we mentioned that we do this with our buddy, Zach. He could not be here tonight. But um, he also we've also mentioned he plays linebacker for the Huskies. 
he shared yeah. with us stories and just the perspective that comes from being, you know, a student athlete. Can and obviously, you know, you guys play different sports, but can you take us through um just the perspective and you know what goes into a student athlete and how you approach your everyday lifestyle? Yeah, well, a big thing for me is just kind of getting the routine of things. Like if I get in the routine of doing nothing day after day after day, and that's just kind of my routine of how I'm doing things. And then once things start to pick up, it becomes overwhelming fast. So when I have the routine of like and a plan of okay, like this is what I gotta get done this day for homework, and this is what I gotta get done uh this day for basketball, whether it be like practice or stretching or whatever it may be, like that's kind of what I have to get done. And then I try to keep that on a consistent basis. So mostly just organization of my day. Like for a lot of my days, just kind of wake up, uh, do some, go to lift then do some homework, go to practice right after practice. I'll do my physio stuff, my stretching. And then usually like after then I'll go home, have supper, have something to eat, and then either finish up some work or if my work's already done for the day, then I'll be done for the day. So just kind of being able to set a plan for what I want to get done for the day or for the week and being able to stick to it is pretty big for me. Cause if I then get backlogged with a lot of stuff and not being able to keep up, keep up, it kind of snowballs pretty quick, especially with schooling more than anything. I think, and I've like, I've read like um, articles about this when, you know, you get high school kids that translate, like, you know, they transition into college. The one thing is how fast everything is, but it's also the realization, this is routine. You know, this is the everyday lifestyle. It's not like, you know, um, you mentioned you had your brother to show you the ropes and that must've helped a lot, but mm -hmm. it must've been like, damn, you know, I've got weights. I've got to be on a, you know, a like, um, on a specific, you know, eating regimen, I've got practice and I still have to go to school. Um, I have all these things, like I have study hall. So you have all these things that are shoved at you in a very short yeah. amount of time, but that's also just how it is. Like you can't really do anything about it. Like, I'm sure it can, I'm sure like the first couple of months, even with your brother showing you away, like it must've yeah. been frustrating. Yeah, well, uh, it was like a lot. And at first, uh, kind of my first term, I remember I took a shorter course load to kind of help me uh, learn to how to manage my classes and stuff. But even in high school, I was able to kind of keep track of my school and my basketball kind of as two separate things. Like I didn't let one really interfere with the other, thankfully. So then when I did transition to university, it's a bit easier. But yeah, if I like if you don't really organize your day or even your week and you maybe let like one assignment fall or something like that. And then you get behind in school. You got to still keep up with your grades in order to actually be able to play. Because if you fall below like a certain average, then fortunately you can't play or something like that. So it is important to stay organized and stay on top of those things. Yeah, man. That, that must, yeah. So um, I'm just going to, transition for our, our our last questions back to uh basketball here and yeah. uh you, you've certainly had uh, a lot of accolades and you've been popping off recently as as of late having a 34 point game and being named uh player of the week but you you've had a lot you were you were the west uh western canada tournament all-star in 2018 uh you were the canada west mo most inspirational player the same year and mr basketball saskatchewan in 2018 which one, uh, and it, it, it doesn't have to be one of these, it can be another one that we haven't named, but which uh, accolades in your career do you think uh, are the most impressive and you, you you hold the most dear to your heart? 
That'd be a tough one. Uh, probably the most would actually be a team one. Even just uh, there's. I'm still. I'm hoping for a like a see use Canada West Championship or U Sport Championship. And that's definitely going to be the one I hold close to my heart. But right now, the most I got was being in the winning a city championship in high school and being in the provincial final in grade 12. So right now those are the two that I hold closest to my heart because they're team ones. And at the end of the day, I want to win. So right. the winning ones and the team ones Love that, that, yeah, that. that, uh, that. count as the wins. Those are the most important to me and the ones I hold closest to my heart. That's a, that's an awesome attitude to have towards any sport you play. So that's sick. As fans of the Huskies, man, like we love that too, because you know, obviously those accomplishments are unbelievable. But the fact that you know you are a team-oriented guy, the teams comes first, and you just want to win, and that shows that you're gonna do whatever it takes, you know, to make that possible. We love that. Um, Matt, I gotta ask you one question. Um, before I let you go, I was joking with the the guys, because obviously you guys are you guys are stacked. You guys are a great team. We definitely expect you to be competing late into the season. Do you guys ever like um, look around and be like, man, you know, we, we got to live up to the this this number one ranked girls team we got over here, because because they're because they're number one in the nation, hey. Yeah, they've always been uh, a good ever since I've been there. Anyway, they've always been kind of top ranked or top three ranked, and they have a very good program, of course, run by Lisa and very talented uh, players on that team as well, but. We definitely want to be number one as well, regardless of kind of their number one or not. But to be both number one, that would be a pretty cool thing. And to kind of be the almost the top or the peak of bas- youth basketball for universities and that being University of Saskatchewan, that would be a pretty cool thing. So if both the men's and women's could get there and we could both be at the peak of number one and be at the top yeah. of university basketball, that would be a cool thing for the university. They they blew out a team by fifty three. The like I think it was Brandon. I was I was in a ten, I was working that game. I was doing film for uh, the coach, but my yeah. God, like do you ever like it's it's crazy how good they are? Hey, like do you just marvel to yourself? Like like it's insane. Yeah, there's most games that will kind of we come uh, usually at the end of the first we we come to the games uh, like an hour and a half before we play. And usually that's when the girls teams are playing. And so we go into the gym and watch until halftime. That's when our team meets. And usually we kind of try to bet with the team, be like, okay, how much do you think they're up by like over or under 20 points right now? Like how much are they going to be up by half to this team? So they usually by halftime or the end of the game, they're up by a significant margin game after game. That's no, it's it's true. I think they lost for like the first time this season, or like one or like first or second time, and it like it's it genuinely gets shocking when they lose. Yeah. Um, Alex, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we will be releasing this um, around the Super Bowl. Um, we just need a we just need a quick take from you. Bengals, yeah, Bengals We we need we want to hear it from your mouth. Bengals who you think who I think is gonna win? Yes, yeah. sir. I think. Uh... Rams are going to win. It would be kind of cool to see the Bengals win because they haven't been in the playoffs. It's like, I don't know how many years it was exactly, but for such a long time. And then they've been underdogs throughout the whole time. So for them to win, it would be pretty cool. But if I was a betting man, definitely put it on the, I would put it on the Rams just because of how good their defense is, especially their D line compared to the Bengals O line, who's 
not that strong. I think they're going to get the pressure to Joe Burrow and his favorite target and chase might be locked down by Ramsey. So, Hey, you know, you know your stuff, man. You've been listening to the pod. I've been, I've been on the offensive line. So, yeah. all right, Alex, thank you so much. We really appreciate thank it. You. Best of luck with the remainder of the season. And uh, hopefully we, you, you, you get that ring, man. We're rooting for you. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me and me and you guys. It's awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning back into Well-Placed Cuffs. Uh, we have a very special guest today and a little bit of a local legend, Mr. Michael Linklater. Thank you so much for being with us today, Michael. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, so before we go, get too much into basketball here, I just want to recognize first what you do off the court. Um, you're seen by so many, especially in Saskatoon, as a role model because of that work you do off the court. For example, you have Boys with Braids, which, which uh, educates and celebrates uh, boys with long braids. And uh, you you are doing, <coughs> excuse me, you're doing a hoist the hoops, building a, a, a 3x3 court in Saskatoon. Uh, can you just talk a bit about that and uh, th those community projects? Yeah, so what we're doing with the outdoor basketball court is we wanted to create a premier outdoor basketball court, you know, a landmark area that not only Saskatoon can be proud of, but really that the country would know about that this is going to be the best outdoor basketball court in Canada. You know, that is the goal. And um, one of the um, objectives was to really have it in like really close to the, in the inner city. And that's the community that I grew up here in Saskatoon. So it's in a it's in between it's in River Landing Phase Two. Um, it's scheduled to um, have shovels to the ground this spring, and it's been something that's been in the works for quite a few years. Uh, we're very grateful for the partnership with JumpStart coming on board and helping to make their their major uh, financial contribution to see this thing through. So really excited to see this possible. Uh, it's going to be one full-size uh, FIBA regulated court, and we are going to have some additional. Um, half courts uh, alongside it. So the city of Saskatoon was gracious enough to gift us the land to be able to build this and we will be gifting it back to them um, fully developed. Oh, that's awesome. I remember seeing, uh, I remember seeing FIBA when it came to Saskatoon, I think it was two summers ago uh, before COVID. I, it was so cool because it was a, it was an entirely new way of basketball to me. I, I'd never really seen that before. So it was very cool. And I'm glad it's being integrated more into the city. Uh, and just to, to, to move on to basketball uh, here, uh, you and Greg Jockham cer certainly have a, some chemistry when it comes to winning, winning the national championship in, in 2010 and winning the first ever CBL championship in 2019. Uh, what can you speak of him on as a coach and how he's helped you throughout your basketball career? You know, initially, the first time Greg and I um, kind of came together, you know, actually, he reached out to me the first time when I was in grade 10 at Mount Royal, and he was interested in me playing for the U of S. And, um, you know, after immediately after high school, I, I kind of went elsewhere, but I ended up coming back to the U of S and my first interaction with him, you know, there was already an established team. And kind of the way he goes about his teams is that, you know, at that time, he wanted, you know, players to kind of who've, who've put in the work, who've dedicated themselves to the team to really kind of have priority. So me being young and having a little bit of a, a hot head thinking that I should have been playing a lot more, I didn't really get along with Greg. Um, the first year with him, um, but then the second year uh, with him, which was my last year of post-secondary, uh, my fifth year at the U of S, you know, he and I got along great, and um, he, he really 
he really taught uh, us us a lot in in the terms of preparation for games and how to um, recognize you know some of the strengths and weaknesses of other teams and really helping us as as athletes and and as a team prepare for the battle we're about to get into so um, our success at the U of S was was great and then when there was talks of the CBL coming into existence and he was kind of behind the scenes being approached. You know, he reached out to me initially and said he wanted me to be a part of it. And, you know, that was an honor. And, you know, our plan immediately, like when he called me before there was any announcements was that he's like, Hey, let's, let's just get a championship and let's go in and get out. And I said, let's do it. <laughs> so I'm glad it all worked out. And even though, you know, my role with the Rattlers when I was on the team was completely different um, from when I played at the U of S, you know, I was at the end of my career. I had nothing really to prove. I just wanted to be able to play, you know, in, in Saskatoon, um, in front of, in front of my family and friends, but also to really to help inspire, um, a lot of the young indigenous, um, athletes, you know, because if they can see somebody that looks like them, um, at that level playing, you know, it can inspire them and they can see themselves in that shoes. And it's interesting because it's come full circle. Long time ago, when we had the Saskatchewan Hawks here, there was an Indigenous athlete who was playing for them. He's originally from uh, Standing Rock and he played for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And so him coming out here kind of sparked that in me to be able to say that, hey, I could play at that level because this guy's doing it. So, you know, it's kind of come full circle where I was able to do that. Well, hopefully was able to do that for a lot of the young Indigenous athletes who are here. Uh, um, absolutely. I, I can attest to that. You have been you, you, you are honestly such such a role model on and off the court. And it's awesome. And, uh, you know, considering how. Uh, how uh, high you were in 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 your career? Uh, you were an analyst and announcer at the Olympics in Tokyo uh, in twenty twenty for 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 the three x three. How how was that experience? Uh, did did you miss being on the court, uh, seeing those guys play? Yeah, it's it was it was a tremendous experience. I I had the knowledge of the game. I I was playing. You know, I played on the tour for several years, so I knew it inside and out. So it was kind of a great fit. It, it was a different, um, it was different for me because yeah, usually I'm on the court playing and, and being able to see a lot of the players who I played against at the Olympics and playing, it was, it was really nice to see them at that level and getting that opportunity. But it, it did definitely spark the interest where I wish I was out there. But again, I don't have any, um, any ambitions of, of continuing to, to play at that level. I've, I've, I've done what I've done at that and I'm, I'm happy with it, but it was, I felt like I was actually in the game and I was, you know, sharing what was inside my head as if I was playing to with the audience to kind of give them a better understanding of what to expect or what, what you should be looking for. Definitely. Because uh, like when you watch a, a sports game of any kind, that always seems like there's a color commentator and he kind of provides a, a fresh new perspective because normally the color commentator is a, a former player. And so we can uh, kind of, um, I don't know, course the audience through uh, what might be going on in the players outside of just uh, the, an the an analytical perspective. Uh, do you think that analytics and announcing is something that you might want to go back to in the future? You know, it's not my, it's not my cup of tea. It's not something that I'm personally driven or, or called to. I mean, if there is opportunity, 
And if, if the timing is right and I have the space or capacity, I, I wouldn't have an issue to, but it's not something that I'm looking to pursue as a, as a full-time career or really diving deeper into that um, aspect of the game. Um, I enjoy watching, but um, yeah, like I said, it's, it's not something that I'm drawn to. Right. No, that's very fair. Um, th thinking about your past career, you know, with the Huskies, Rattlers, et cetera, FIBA, uh, I just want to know what are some some memories or maybe some accomplishments that that really st stick out to you in your mind in your past career? Um, I think first and foremost would probably be winning the national championship with the U of S. That was huge, um, not only for myself personally um, and for my teammates, but for the school in its entirety. Um, you know, that was the first and only championship that the team and school has ever won. So to be a part of that history, you know, that's something that nobody could ever take away from us. So that was a big milestone for me and something that I'm very proud of. On an individual level, um, it would have been that same season when we were playing in the um, Canada West finals. Um, you know, there was, there was a game there. We, well, we called it, I guess, the, the final four it was just for our conference. You know, we ended up beating UBC in their gym and it was a very close game. So again, from a team win, we ended up going into overtime. So that was pretty sweet. But it was the following game um, for me as an individual. You know, I re recall because the game prior, my friend, my teammate told me that he's like, Link, you played great, but like statistic wise, like you, you did, it didn't show up. But he's like, you're due for a big game tomorrow. And I remember him telling me this specifically, and I never thought of numbers ever. Like it was just, what do I need to do in order to win the game? Right. So when we played in the conference um, championships, it was against uh, University of Calgary. And so that uh, I had a monster game and I didn't realize this till my friend come and told me after he's like, Link, you had a, a big game. So, you know, the, the stat line that I had, you know, I was, I would, I think I was, I was uh, four, what was it? I was, my stats were, I think I had 29 points. I think I had 12 assists. I had nine steals and six rebounds. I so I was, double. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was a steal. I was a steal and four rebounds shy of a quadruple double. Wow. So that was something that was, um, you know, a, a big highlight for me, like when I think back, but I do recall, and, you know, having nine steals in that game, you know, there was a game here in, at home when I had, I think it was 10 steals. So, you know, I had that defensive mentality. And of course, winning the championship with the Rattlers was big. Playing for Team Canada at the World Cup, huge, huge accomplishment for me. And just being on the world tour was really fun, seeing a lot of the different cities and having that experience to travel around the world. Definitely. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very curious, uh, what made you want to pursue basketball after the, the collegiate level? Uh, were coaches or someone uh, pushing you m maybe a little bit or was it all for you or, you know, how, how did that come up? That started actually as a childhood dream when I first started playing basketball. Um, I said I want I think every kid's dream who really falls in love with the game is to play in the NBA. Um, I was fortunate enough to continue to work hard and you know, I was aspiring to play in the NBA and I wanted to play division one, you know, and the cards didn't just, the cards didn't fall in that um, capacity for me. So I ended up having a, a great post-secondary career, but it was my goal to play for team Canada and professionally. 
So I was always continuing to work towards making those goals happen. Um, so I, that was always something that was driven within and it was, you know, wanting to, to pay homage and, and honor that child that set that goal, you know, when I was 12, 13 years old. So it was just continuing to work and, and aspire to do that. And, you know, along the way, you know, you mentioned it many times that, you know, I'm, I'm viewed as a role model. And that was something that, you know, was cast, you know, on me, that that light was, was put on me. I didn't ask for that. But when it got put on me, it was something that I, that I took very seriously. And I knew that each step, you know, every time I succeeded, you know, our people were succeeding. So it's something that I always held, held very close to me. And it was something that um, also was a motivator because I wanted to see not only my children, but our children as, as Indigenous people, you know, be successful because growing up, you know, there was barely a handful of Indigenous athletes that I could look up to. And now, you know, my age, there's a lot more athletes that in every different sport who are, who are really thriving. So it's really good to see. Absolutely. Um, so we, we had talked a bit about coaching and about your basketball career off the court. Uh, I was curious, um, have you ever done any coaching or wh whether, cause you mentioned you had kids, whether it was just for your kids or you've done uh, high school or anything like that. Yeah, I've been coaching for a very long time. I think the first basketball camp that I helped coach, I was 16 years old. So it's been, you know, quite a while that I've been coaching. Um, I did my coaching certification as well. Um, I coached at the uh, North American Indigenous Games. I was a mentor coach for the um, Saskatchewan provincial team. Um, right now, I'm currently coaching uh, my son's high school team. Uh, I've coached the Saskatoon Minor Basketball Association, you know, different teams in the community leagues. And I've also been traveling to different First Nations and offering basketball um, camps and clinics and coaching and instructing out there, giving a lot of um, these kids in these communities that don't have means or the access to higher level coaches to give them the proper instruction. And it's been um, quite the experience because, you know, there's been a number of communities that I have visited and they have taken what I've given them, which has just been some very fundamental aspects of the game. They've been able to build upon that. And then when it comes to the First Nations um, winter games, you know, these teams that are these communities that I've been to, you know, I've taken what I've shown them and they're the ones um, meddling at the game. So it's really good to see that, you know, they get this opportunity and that they're really thriving. Oh yeah, that's, that's terrific. I think I remember a, a couple of times when I was in the, the SNBA, I'd, I would, I would look over to, uh, to, to the other team's bench. And I, I, th I think I could re remember seeing you because my mom after the game would be like, Do you know, you were playing Michael Linklater's team. And I'm like, who's, who's, who's Michael Linklater. And they're like, Oh, okay. Um, uh, so you were a key player on the Saskatchewan Rattlers during their uh, inaugural season. As you said, sometimes uh, with your motor and defensive ability, it doesn't always show up on the stat sheet, uh, but just be being on the floor, doing all the things um, that a team needs to win, uh, you, were, you were very instrumental. Uh, how did winning that championship in your hometown um, in, in the first season of this up-and-coming league, what did that mean to you? It meant a lot. And, you know, I think in the time, not realizing the magnitude of that win and looking back now and how much the league has grown and how much more competitive it is and how much um, the talent has just risen. Uh, it was really special to get that win. And being able to do it here in front of 
all of my friends and in the community, you know, a lot of people here have, have followed my career and, and what I've done and for them to be there and watch and to see that happen. Um, and for me to be a part of making history, um, again, was something that was very special because you know, I have my family here and it was, it was really important to me. So uh, I'm glad it all uh, ended the way it did because now I have the opportunity to like my childhood hero, you know, go out, um, retire on a championship. So it was good. Uh, I remember, uh, well, because I actually had season tickets to that inaugural season. It was so cool. And seeing them win the championship with it in Saskatoon was amazing. But you, I remember whenever you came into the game, uh, you would always get the absolute loudest cheer out of the crowd. Everyone always loved seeing you on the court. And uh, I mean, it showed. It was, a, it, was, it was a great season for you guys. That, uh, that, that was really cool for me to see. That was the first time I was able to see any like a real uh, professional basketball in, in Saskatchewan. So that that that, that was just really cool for me uh and so for the last question i have for you today and th this is kind of a, a personal question i'm always very curious about uh past players and teams that, that you've played with on that rattlers team or on the huskies team were there players uh either on teams that you played against or guys in practice on your own team that really gave you a hard time uh, defensively or uh, you could really get by you defensively because you've said you're kind of a defensive player. Uh, any any guys that could really challenge you? Yeah, there was, there was a, there was a number, number of them. One of probably one of my oldest uh, rivals or nemesis would be my old teammate, uh, Rob Lovelace. He went to Holy Cross High School and he and I had played against each other all through high school. And I remember each time that I played against him because he's a phenomenal gifted athlete. Um, and he was always faster than me, always quicker than me. And so I remember every time that I had to, to play against him, you know, it was always a challenge because of how gifted of an athlete he was. And he was a very strong defender as well. So that was something that was tough because when we played uh, my first year with the U of S, when I played with him, um, you know, I always love to run my shuttles as fast as I can. And I always wanted to be the first one. I could never, ever, ever beat him in a shuttle. And we always used to joke about it. You know, he would be running beside me, just kind of like looking at me. And I be running my hardest. I just could never catch him. So uh, again, just a great, great guy. He was a great teammate, great friend. And uh, he was somebody that definitely uh, sticks out to me. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of, I guess, with the Rattlers, you know, there was uh, um, uh, Gentry Thomas. You know, one of the things he, he, when he drove, he was really smooth. Like he's, he's a scorer. Like he likes to put up a lot of shots. And I remember, you know, in, in a lot of the practices where I would really get out on him in the perimeter and he would just kind of like slide by me. And he had this, um, it's a technique like you, you, a lot of defenders like to use their arm when they play, like to just give a little bit of a buffer. And as you watch, and for people that really, really know basketball, when you watch the pros do it, like there's, there's like a little bit of a, of a, a jousting match going on with the arms. So like a defender will hold offense will press it down you know defense will try to get back over top and press down but he just had this move and, and I told him I was like man that's so tough to guard and he was like yeah and he was telling me that he learned it from watching Kobe play but really what he would do is he would attack and he would have his arm up high so as soon as somebody's arm touched him he would press it down and be able to get by them 
So he was another tough guy that was, that was hard to, to really guard on the perimeter. Plus he was athletic as heck, you know, he could, he could jump out of the gym and he was explosive. So, um, and I'm sure there's a, there's a lot more, you know, there's a lot more guys who I've, who I've had uh, the opportunity to play against and, and, you know, who've really stuck out to me, but you know, those are some of the two that just come to mind immediately. For sure. Um, I just also want to, to get your thoughts uh, on, on this NBA season. We, uh, you know, that there've been a lot of, uh, a lot of COVID issues and we've seen a few guys from, from the CEBL go up and actually make their NBA de- debut. I mean, you have guys like Cat Barber, Xavier Moon. Um, is there almost a sense of, of pride with you there that you were a part of this team or, uh, organization and league that has sent these guys to pursue their, their NBA careers and dreams? Yeah, I think it's, it's amazing. Anytime somebody gets that opportunity, because like I had mentioned earlier, I think every kid that falls in love with the game, their, their dream is to play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So to see these guys, you know, make it to the NBA and have the opportunity to play, to get a few shots and have that experience, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, the, the child in those men that had that dream and it coming now to fruition is just something that um, I think everybody can be excited and happy for. So it was really great to see them uh, make it to that level and, and well-deserved. Oh yeah, that's awesome. And uh, so before we let you go, you know, you're a basketball guy, we have to get your take on the season. Uh, If you had to pick a championship winner right now in the NBA, who would you pick? Oh, you know what? I full disclosure, I have not been watching the NBA very much this year. I had a few up, I had an opportunity to watch a few games mm-hmm. and I don't even know who has what records or what or who's playing good. So I couldn't even tell you, but I will just throw a random team out and say Milwaukee. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. You can't, you can't bet against the honest. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for being, uh, being here with us today, Michael. This was an absolute honor to get you on the podcast. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you.